Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got an heart. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all going to laugh at you. I'm listening to the Jersey Ghouls. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And tonight we are honored to have yet another awesome indie filmmaker as a guest. We are continuing our series of celebrating independent film. And tonight from Face Melt Features, we have director Sean Wright. How's it going, everyone? We are so excited to have you on tonight to discuss your film, Night of the Axe, and also pair it like a fine wine with um, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. So why don't we start first, Sean, why don't you give us a little rundown about Face Melt Features and your short film? I named my production company Face Melt Features. Um, it's just me so far. My short film is called Night of the Axe. It's um, an old school slasher film. It's about 22 minutes long. It's pretty gory. It's everything you'd want in an old school slasher condensed into a nice bite-sized package. It's free on Vimeo.com. I also have DVDs for five I think that's that's really fair. I think what one of the things I love about the film is that it pays homage and does a really great job of kind of capturing the slasher spirit in a very short amount of time. Yeah, I, I love a good slasher and it wastes no time getting right into the action. And I agree, I have the same note about it paying homage to, it, it hits every single trope, everything that I want in a slasher, your movie hits on. And again, like you said, wrapped up in 22 minutes. So there is no downtime. It, it just gets right to the action, which I always appreciate. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we jump into the, the film we're talking about tonight, which is um, Jason Takes Manhattan. Sure thing. Um, this is from 1989 with uh, Kane Hodder as our titular 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 actually i thought it was weird how little how little gore and violence this one had but i'm jumping ahead of myself yeah um kane hotter as arguably in my opinion the best jason and also written and directed by rob heat um you watched some of the documentary <laughs> oh, <laughs> not at all you know me i'm a slacker it was way too big of a commitment i and again full disclosure i'm not the biggest fan of the friday the 13th series i tolerate it because of my love for you i know but with that being said, um, apparently my biggest gripe with this film is that it's, and Sean, you said this before, and I want to kind of repeat this. It is not Takes Manhattan. It's Takes a Cruise Boat. Yes. Which is still a cool concept on its own. 
Very true. That's fair. And I think that there are some really awesome things about him moving out of the camp and out of the woods and into the boat that is kind of fun. But don't tease me with New York City. And apparently what happened here was, as they mentioned in Camp Memories, I'm not going to take credit for any of this, apparently um, when they commissioned Rob Heen, who had only ever other worked on the Friday the 13th series, to write and direct this film, he had these awesome, grandiose ideas. He was going to do Statue of Liberty. Uh, he was going to have them play at Madison Square Garden against a hockey team and have him come out on the ice. He was going to do all of, the, like, Times Square, which they did pull off somewhat. All these iconic scenes all in Manhattan with Jason Voorhees. And when he went to the production company, they were like, uh, fuck off. Because Friday the 13th 7 was their lowest grossing film. You get a zero dollar budget. Good luck. And here's a beautiful cruise ship. <laughs> Which, of course, of course, part seven was awesome. So I'm not sure why it had such a low gross. Yes. I'm probably a minority there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Four, I think four. Four is probably one of my personal favorites. Oh my gosh, that they're all like... just so, I'm just not a fan. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jason Takes Manhattan starts with arguably one of the more awesome power ballads of the 80s. So awesome that they used it to open and close the movie. And the, the first thing that I thought of while watching it was just how scary 1980s New York City looked like. But my other thought was that it's okay because at least I know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are there. And then I have this whole idea about a mashup of like Ninja Turtles versus Jason. But then there's the whole thing with Casey Jones coming in with the hot, I like went on this whole thing and now I'm suddenly like <laughs> in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle land instead of being in the Friday the 13th universe. I, I went off, I went off in a different direction. No, to be fair, it's like Shredder was gonna pop out at any point. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was worried about the foot. I thought the foot was going to come out at any moment. The foot. Why, why um, is New York City full of toxic waste? Exactly. That's a good question. Exactly. And why are there toxic... You know what? It makes a lot of sense, though, because toxic waste makes toxic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Makes, and notice the rat that crawled out at the beginning of the toxic waste. That was probably Splinter. It was there. I did notice that in some of the Jason kills, he left behind some slime. He did. Why oh my God. He, maybe he's the secret of the ooze. He is the secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I, he does he does look cool with the covered in slime in this one. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And you know what? Not as, good, not as good as it looked in part seven. That's a serious downgrade from that, but he still looked cool covered in slime. Which one seven? Did I watch seven? You I don't think you've ever okay. watched. Now that. I got a to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, like full full on zombie Jason. Part seven. Oh, okay. See that I'm into. I like the one where he, the one with the FBI agent that was like four or something, right? Where he chases her at the beginning. Oh no, that Jason goes to hell. Oh, of course. How silly of me. <laughs> um, he wasn't in hell when he got electrocuted back to life in this one. No, in the water. And and continuing on this theme of of like the ooze and what have you. At the end, when his mask comes off, he does kind of look like the Toxic Avenger. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean. To be fair, and spoilers, but Jason does get killed by New York City poop water. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, New York City poop water will kill it. Okay. Well, yeah, as someone who, Marissa, you grew up in the shadows of New York City. I sure did. I sure did. And so I have some fun facts for you. <laughs> Let me dust off the old fun fact machine here. Um, so 1989 was actually a fascinating moment in the history. I'm going to gush here because this is actually, Sean, full disclosure, I teach like criminology too. So like the opportunity to tie the two together gets me really happy. Um, 1989 is basically the last gasp 
of old, dirty, creepy, what I like to call taxi driver 1970s and 80s New York. We are on the cusp of a giant turnaround. Julian is going to take over in 1990. He's going to take names and kick ass. And he's going to um, basically make the broken window policy, which literally changes the entire course of New York's history. Because in 1989, New York was as big of a dump as the movie makes it out to be. I mean, Times Square was a fucking terrible place to be in the 70s. <laughs> it is not the national treasure of capitalism and Broadway that it is today. With that being said, 1989 is also the year when the Central Park Five attacks happen and five men are falsely accused of raping and hurting a woman. And it's the same year that a 16-year-old black kid is literally hanged by a white lynch mob in Brooklyn. So this is a really tense time in New York City. Within two years, Giuliani takes over. Giuliani cracks down and erases all signs of crime, like gets rid of graffiti, aggressively penalizes minor crime. And crime drops in New York City within, with, by like 56%. Wow. Yeah. So this is the end of a very special era in New York. Growing up, you didn't go into New York City. Like my parents never once took me to New York City until around 2010 when I was finally able to be like, mom and dad, it's okay. It's not like the 80s anymore. Come on. It'll be okay. You're not going to fall into slime or New York City poop water or get <laughs> a Ninja Turtle radioactiveness. But yeah, so this is actually, to me, an interesting snapshot of a moment right before a huge shift in New York City and what it was like in Manhattan in the middle of the uh, turn of the old 90s. Yeah, there you go. Want to grow on, everybody. But anyway, getting to the good stuff. Let's yeah. talk about... Let's talk about this movie. So I, I don't know about you, Sean, but one of my favorite things, and I've said this before, about this series is the way that they kill Jason and the way that they bring him back. And this is one of my favorite ways that they bring him back. What, is, what about you? What is one of your favorites? This one was pretty good with the, the random uh, electrical wire under the water. But um, that's being facetious because this was so stupid. <laughs> no? No. Okay. But how many, how many friends? It was, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's better than when he just sort of randomly just wakes up. Like, they don't even explain how he comes back. Oh, yeah, the, the one where, another um, one where he's, he's underwater and the girl with, like, the weird, like, telekinesis, like, mental powers yeah, that, is that's able seven. to, yeah, will him back to life, and then her dress. Well, she was trying to bring back her dad. Yeah. Her dad had <laughs> But her dad is Jason. Sounds like a mistake anyone could make. But then, like, yeah. the drowned dad is the one that pulls him down to the water. That's why he's underwater at the beginning of this movie, because the drowned father is able to grab him and bring him underwater. I always mix them up because what is it, part five or six when Tommy opens the grave and puts the, the rod through him and then it gets electrocuted. They six. liked it, they liked to use electricity. That was six. Is that six? Yeah. Oh, that was six and I liked, I liked that one. That was, my, that was another good one. Yeah. That was another good one. Because Tom is played by who? Tom Matthews. That's right, National Treasure Tom yeah. Matthews. Um, I watched that one just because Tom Matthews is in it. Um, yeah, so, all right. So if you're going to tell me this is one of the best revivals of Jason, I'm going to believe you both because you're the experts, I'm the, the naysayer. I, I didn't say it was the best. I just said it was a personal favorite. Of all the ways he's been brought back, this is, this is one of my favorites. Okay. So these two teenagers, first of all, this scene goes on way too long at the beginning. Oh, with the two teenagers. Oh my boat. god. If they're gonna get killed, why do I have to invest this much time into them? 
I don't know. And her boobs, I'm mean, just going to throw it out there, they weren't that great. Her boobs weren't that great. Uh, they weren't. They were okay. But, you know, also, it makes me mad because when she dies, when, when Jason opens the hatch, yeah. it's the slowest descent of the harpoon. <laughs> and she just sits there and she's like, no, 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 no. It's like, bitch, get up and move. She's I stuck in a hole. I would be able to get I out would of there. Where's she gonna go? Exactly. I, I felt like you could at least put your hand. She just stood there. You could put your hand. You can do something. I found that every woman that died in this movie basically was like, "No, don't stop." Wait. It was like the scene in Austin Powers when the steamroller was coming toward it, the guy, and he no. Like seriously, I felt the girl in the shower, the the blonde haired girl that tried to have sex with the principal or whatever. Like, she was another one where it was just like, run, get up and run, get out of your corner and get up and run. And, and she didn't While I appreciate your feminist look at the lack of, of power given to the females in this film, I'm going to stop you there. And I'm going to say that if I, my <laughs> stupid ass would be dumb enough, I am the same girl who dove into a bush That's to true. avoid Jane Friday, <laughs> like Jason or whatever, right? So I am not judging anybody for their instincts at this point. That being said, I jump into a little hole. I'm not yet. I'm gonna be like Winnie the Pooh stuck trying to chase a fucking honeypot if I try to get out. The only thing more embarrassing than being killed by Jason while in that little hole would be my fat ass trying to get out of the hole, getting stuck and having to die in that position. So I'm gonna politely disagree with that and say, girl, I get it. My ass wouldn't get out of there either. Yeah, there's not much hope against Jason. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, you could try, though. You could try. <laughs> she just laid there. And, like, it was so slow. Like, he just gradually brought the harpoon down. Like, I could have made supper in between. It's the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And getting back to the awesome power ballad, I thought it was hysterical that they start with, like, a montage of, like, punky New York City, and I'm like, oh yeah, shit's gonna get real, Jason's gonna pop out of a fucking trash can any second now. <laughs> Meanwhile, wrong, I've got an hour and 25 plus minutes till they even fucking get to New York. And then, there's this epic 20-minute scene of them fucking rowing their boat towards the Statue <laughs> of Liberty, so it wasn't bad enough that I had to sit on the boat for a solid hour with them. Then I had to fucking pull a SS Titanic and fucking row our asses all the way to the Statue of Liberty. Uh, this, <laughs> I say all this because there was a little problem with pacing for me. It was a little <laughs> slow. I can, I can, yeah, there, there are things that could have been trimmed down. Now, let's talk about the slasher things we loved about this film. Because now that I've trashed it, there's a lot of good stuff here. I was going to say, there are some great kills in this one. Uh, yes. The sauna kill, that was great. Great. That one made and me nipple. And then, that of course, the way she punches the dude's head off. Classic. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that one because, like, I'm, there's a solid two minutes of him punching at Jason. Oh, yeah. No, my note for that scene was, you're going to lose all your stamina, little Mac. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. And I have to say, I wish the guitar chick didn't die so early. It was a gnarly, like, I was into the death with the guitar, but I thought she was fascinating. I, she, I wanted more of her. I was sad that she was the first yeah. one to die, besides the two in the beginning. I want a hot pink flying V guitar, and I want to just jam. Oh, same. Right? Same train. Right? She had such a, like, Joan Jet vibe going. Yeah. Um, um, so, is it just me, or was the, the female teacher and that the student, Rini, mm -hmm. whatever her name is? Having a lesbian mother. They're, they're having sex, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Because they yeah. really seem like they were in a sexual relationship. Yeah. And as a teacher, I can categorically say professional opinion. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they were just a little too kiddos. 
So well, I, I didn't I didn't get that, but I'll trust your opinions on that. <laughs> no, full disclosure, I didn't either. I just uh, uh, full disclosure, I actually thought it was a sweet relationship. I'm being yeah, no, because like I have had female students where I have felt like a mother to them. Like, See, but that didn't come off as like mother daughter yeah. vibes to me. So let's talk about the other one of the other great things about this film, and that is Kane Hodder's performance as Jason. He's so good. So good. I love the little head tilts, like. Even the one that was a little over the top when he saw the mask and he was like, who am I? Oh my like, God. Like, so existential. When he saw the sign for the, the billboard for the hockey game, <laughs> I, was, I forgot about that. And I almost pissed myself. It was I funny. I loved it. Well, honestly, it's like, I forget, like, I so associate the hockey mask with Jason that I forget that that's actually what goalies used to wear. So that, that concept to me, like, it, it caught me off guard because I'm not used to that style of mask on goalies anymore because it's been so long since goalie masks have looked like that. Wow, you just shattered my illusions. In my head, they still wear those. I don't watch hockey. Yeah, yet, no, so they so. have not worn hockey masks like that in a very long time. <laughs> so what, is their face just unprotected now? They have, they, they have yeah. more cages. Like, it's, it's more like oh, okay. cages around. Yeah, yeah. Knowing how barbaric that sport is, I wouldn't have been surprised though, Sean. I love you guys. So going back to Kane Hodder, he puts so much anger behind his Jason. It's great. It's like Jason's just like pissed off all the time. Yeah, and how he manages to portray that without actually talking blows my mind. Like, I think there's a yeah. lot to be said for the physicality of what he does. I agree. Yeah, there's he, he's just this large hulking mass of goo and rotted flesh and i agree about the whole the angry thing it's like you know what he's been killed so many times and it's like he gets brought back and he's like i gotta do this shit all over again and now there you know he already doesn't like water so now he's on a boat and i'm sure he's uncomfortable with that and he's sure. killed people and then he gets to new york he's literally and figuratively a fish out of water he doesn't know what he's doing with his life you know He's, he's, he's probably lost, you know? I know. He's he, a tourist. He doesn't, he doesn't yeah, want to he ask for know. directions. He's too proud to ask for directions. So, yeah, there is a lot of sense of anger in Jason. I love that you just, like, psychoanalyzed him and made him the sympathetic character, by the way. Yeah, dance. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> she loves making villains out to be sympathetic, this, this girl. She might very well be a serial killer. Mayhaps I am. Mayhaps I am. Mayhaps I am. But at the end of the day, you're right. There is a certain anger, but also emotional complexity to everything. He endures a lot in this film, to be yeah. fair. One of, one of the things I do like about when they finally do get to Manhattan, and I think that, to be fair, I agree with you, Sean. I think putting it on a boat is an interesting twist. It gives you a lot of room to do kind of cool stuff you wouldn't be able to do at the camp. But I think where this movie really shines for me is when they get to actually New York. So... First of all, this this notion the rest of the world had that stepping foot in New York equaled you were going to get mugged, injected with a needle, yeah. which to me was the scariest fucking part of the whole movie. When they put that needle in her arm, I was like, you're going to die, girl! Like, I just, oh, I couldn't even watch. Like, I literally turned away. And then this idea that you're going to get taken, like, it's so funny, but it's it was sadly more true than we want to admit. But at the end of the day, when they get there, there's almost a kind of, like, tone shift where things get a little silly. Um, and I liked it, to be honest. I was giggling. I was giggling for most of the part where he was chasing them through Manhattan. I think it brought also, you know, in, in all the movies prior to this, I mean, the kids are at camp, 
And it's one of those situations where it's like, I feel like they tried to isolate it. So it's like, oh, these kids can't leave camp. They have no escape. Right. But I'm sure, like, some way or another, you truly could have escaped the camp. Right. This one really brings home the idea of, like, there's nowhere to go. Like, you're on the ship. Like, this is true isolation yeah. from, from and the then, outside world. And then he, then he sinks the ship when he's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He brings that. Also, can we, speaking of the ship, who the fuck puts an 18-year-old in charge of an entire cruise ship? <laughs> his, like, his dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't blame the kid for getting mad. Like, you forgot to call. Like, clearly this kid is not ready to take control of this ship. You are a negligent captain and an even worse father. So congratulations. The other ish I had was, uh, there was, again, and this is my gripe with many of these movies, Where's the character development? Rennie is a writer, and then she, what's her, okay, so fill me in here. Did she get, she got thrown into the lake by the douchey teacher guy? Yes. And Jason tickled her while they were down there? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and that was her trauma. Yes, it's why she's afraid of water, because she was in, she, he pushed her into Crystal Lake as one of those, like, I don't know how to swim. Teach yourself. And he pushed her into the water of like basically like you're either gonna learn to swim or you're gonna drown. Right. And while she was like drowning drowning, Jason grabbed her. But baby Jason. Baby Jason. So this happened. Could have, it could have been like a hallucination. Yeah. Too like a so that's like why a, she has trauma. So her therapy dog managed to not only swim off of the ship and doggy paddle all the New all the way to New York City, but also then managed to traverse the streets of New York City, not get eaten by Splinter or any of the other foot clan. And wound up finding her at the end. Didn't the dog come on shore with them, though? I thought he was on the boat with them. He was, because uh, I don't know. I have that. No, I don't know when it happened, but somewhere. The plot wasn't that ridiculous. <laughs> like, they're, they're climbing down the ladder, and then the next scene, he's there with her dog. And I was like, where the fuck did the dog get on the boat? Like, where did that happen? No, dogs will fucking drop ship, though. Like, I mean, you know, I would strap my 88-pound dog to my back. Like, I would absolutely, like, we're doing this, baby. We're doing it. I don't care. I will that's, take him That's adorable. I would use my dog as a flotation device. You <laughs> Poor Noni doesn't say that. <laughs> no, not at all. I would eat her. It would only be, we'd only be an hour into being on the boat, and I'd be like, I'm too hungry. I'm going to eat the dog, you guys. <laughs> like, literally. Just so you know where we stand. Another thing I found delightful was the crowd on the subway giving zero fucks that this guy is chasing them. <laughs> because even to this day, I'm on the subway. A guy in a hockey mask is chasing two kids. I'm staying the fuck out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that like, scene's pretty standard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, it's so true. And bystander effect is so strong. I mean, ironically, the Kitty Genovese uh, bystander case happens in 1969 in New York City, proving that if there's one thing we learned about the city, it's that nobody's going to care if you're getting murdered. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that they – they do a good job of capturing the apathy of New Yorkers. And as someone who identifies as a New Yorker, I say that with love in my heart. Like, we don't give a shit. What did you think, uh, Marissa, as someone who hasn't watched as many Friday the 13th, what did you think of Jason without his mask on? Because that doesn't happen in every movie where the mask, it does. Yeah, where the mask comes off. I liked it when it was him showing his face to the punks to scare them. <laughs> that really delighted me. Like, I was like, hee, hee, hee. But then, I don't know, it kind of, like, had the same effect that seeing baby, I don't know, I, it was cool, but it was a little toxic. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, I, it was 
I don't know. What do you think, Sean? I'd say that's probably one of the worst Jason uh, looks really? <laughs> of all time. Oh, uh, okay. That makes me it's feel It's definitely better. one of the worst. Uh, seven's probably the best, and then we have, like, four is really good. Okay. Depending on what you, on, I guess, your personal taste, four or seven's probably something between those two, you juggle them. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I don't know what, to, I don't have much basis for comparison, I guess. So it was just kind of like meh, but that was what I expected they all were. So I'll have to check out seven. You know what? I'm going to binge this series one of these I have days. It. I'll give it to Perfect. you. Perfect. There you go. The teacher that is the guardian for Rennie. Uh, the female or the douche guy? The guy. Okay. Um, pretty much once the killings start, he, uh, he reminds me of that meme with the dog sitting in the fire where he's like, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Like he is the personification of that meme because the boat is literally on fire and he's like, it's not on fire. It's fine. And then he has the audacity, like, he, they get into the lifeboat, and the two kids are rowing the boat, and they finally find land, and they go to the little, like, harbor, and, and he was like, really? Like, this is where you're going to dock us? And it's like, can bitch. you please stop complaining? Yeah, the concierge will be here shortly, <laughs> bitch. Um, you're right. He yeah. is kind of the worst. Yeah, he's, he's, they, they did well with that character. So to be fair, as a teacher... This really, this character played well on my fears. One of my biggest fears is a kid falsely accusing me of doing something naughty. So that part, <laughs> I was like, well, first of all, he was like, if I made you a demonstration, he was like, no, no. <laughs> and then he finally pushed her off. So I was like, the struggle is real. He, he, was, he was into it for a solid three seconds or so. Yeah. Oh, totally. But he probably is a virgin. So you almost <laughs> can't blame him. Probably. <laughs> you can't even blame him. And then when they videotape them, like, she's such a scumbag, and she, like, set them up. That part really irked me, because I'm always so afraid of that. And then the other thing is, as a teacher, the truth of the matter is, no matter what's happening and how much things are terrible, you really do just be like, it's fine. Everybody relax. <laughs> like, no, like, I have had emergencies. We have had real fires. We have had lockdowns where it was kind of sort of real. And you're just like, it's fine. Deep down, you know the ship is going down, but you just, it's fine. It. However, he's such a creep and a scumbag that it's, like, hard to like. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think he, I feel like he's not saying it's fine Out to kind of ease <laughs> everyone else's fear. He's I in think, denial. Yeah. He's I in think a, he's in complete denial. He's in a heap of denial. Yeah. Thoughts or, like, comments from the, the people who are fans of the series? Like, if you had to rank this one, where would it be? I have to say, at least, at least for me, this one is mid to low on my list, okay. actually. I mean, I, I enjoy all of them, but this one this one is the five or six, if I'm ranking all ten. This this falls in, like, five, six, seven slot. What about you, Sean? I'd say, say it's about the same. Yeah. Though I, I, I like it a little better than most people probably do just because I think the cruise ship angle is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. But besides that, it's, like, not as good as all the other ones. Yeah. And again, per I'll be honest, I've never seen Jason Goes to Hell or Jason X. <gasps> Jason Goes to Hell is one of my favorites. Like, it is... Really? Like, yeah, and I know I'm in the minority with that one. But Jason Goes to Hell is truly one of my favorites. I can't get past the body hopping aspect. I don't know. It's really? kind of weird okay. to me. Jason X was, uh... Jason X was okay. That's the one where he goes to space, right? Yes, Jason okay. goes to space. I wish they would have kept saying, like, Jason takes space. Jason takes uh, body shifting. Like, I, I liked that movement. I wish Jason takes Freddy. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, I agree. I really like Jason Goes to Hell, and I don't like. I don't much like. I, maybe I have a soft spot for it because of Camp Blood, but um, I really like that one, and I didn't mind Space. Like I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was okay. Um, so I can. See I will it. eventually watch it. Yeah. yeah, you should, man. I think you'll enjoy them both. Um, so anyway, let's get to your film that we also have the the pleasure to watch ourselves, and we are excited to talk about as a kind of homage to slashers. Um, so my first note is I am floored by how shoestring your budget was. So tell us a little bit about the process and kind of what made you make a slasher film. Well, uh, since about high school, probably I've been wanting to make movies. Uh, shortly after high school, probably. But then I just sort of sat on the idea, got a real job, did all that stuff, you know. <laughs> and then eventually I got tired of just doing just that, you know, just like existing. Yeah. And I was like, I want to actually create something. So I decided that I can, I'll try to kick that filmmaking career off. Cool. So um, I went with a, a short film first. You know, I'm, short films aren't really a thing I'm like aiming for, but just for the sake of convenience, I was like, I'll, let me try a short, you know. But I still want to go all in, you know, which is why I have, like, sort of the the higher-end special effects and stuff like that. I think the special effects are one of the strong suits of the film. Oh, it, the your <laughs> special effects are the absolute high point of, of, of your film. Absolutely. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure that the, the gore and the effects were on point because it's just the whole point of a slasher. An 80s slasher is sort of the the kills. So I wanted to make sure that that was in the forefront and it was done, you know, 100%. The other thing that I have to say that I thought was refreshing for me was having your actors and actresses feel very real. And I thought it was a really cool scene. The shower scene in particular was a very cool scene for me because I felt it was very interesting to see really real people in, in these moments. It made it somehow feel a little more real. Yeah, the shower scene was my absolute favorite scene in the movie. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, they're, they are real people, that's the thing. These are, <laughs> if you could guess, these aren't professional actors. These are just sort of people I knew, uh, people who I reached out to and were interested. Uh, so they are very much real people. They're not like, you know, actors who have been in a bunch of things or anything. Tell us um, a little bit about like, what's coming up next. What's in the future for your for your uh, company and for you? Are you in the, is, it, is anything in the works? Yes, I have a full length film I'm working on right now. It's um, a zombie film nice. influenced by Fulci. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, well, it's not necessarily the story, but the atmosphere and the zombie looks, that's where I'm taking the Fulci from, you know? Oh. That's awesome. Yes, it's it's gonna be you know just as much gore and all that stuff. So it's gonna be I I think it will be really really awesome. I'm I'm sort of like I'm trying to do a smart bite, you know, because I have a lot of ideas, but I'm trying to do the the easier ones first, you know. Yeah. You know, I have like I have like werewolves, <laughs> werewolves in mind, demons in mind, you know, all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. But I'm gonna keep it simple. Go with zombies. That's but awesome. I also. I, I also have another short idea I came up with I like to do between now and then. Uh, it sort of uh, involves a Ouija board, so <laughs> it cool. should be fun. Congratulations, because I saw you posted on Facebook recently. Uh, the film ha has won some awards at a festival. Yes, um, the Independent Horror Movie Awards is what it's called. Um, it's an online thing. I submitted to it, and I won Best Score, Best Kill, and I was nominated for Best Atmosphere. Nice. And I was also, I was also nominated for uh 
best nudity, but I don't like I don't like to say that a, a lot because for some reason I feel like uh, that's a little bit of a, a weird award. No, I kind since you like, like the since uh, you like the shower scene, I guess it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll take it. I would say yeah. I think it's I think it's cool to see a normal you know like you don't see actresses being that bold in indie horror often and I think that's that's a credit yeah. to you as a director and also to your actors like that they were really committed to putting that role to life and that's pretty cool. Tell yeah. us again like where we can find you on the internet. Just try to promote the shit out of yourself. <laughs> Follow me at facemeltfeatures on facebook.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at heavymetalhorror underscore between each word. Yeah, and I'm also on Twitter, facemeltfilms. The movie is available for free vimeo.com you can just google sean wright nutty the axe you'll find it or nutty the axe sean wright and then it's also on youtube as well i don't really promote that that much because like for some reason i feel like it's gonna be pulled one of these days but <laughs> it's up there so if you want to watch it on youtube it's there as well just make sure you follow me on face mail features that's the most important thing and you you said that the the it is available um for purchase where can people purchase the the movie if they want to you can send me you can just contact me through any of those social media sites i mentioned previously and also send an email to writefilms1 at gmail.com that's w-r-i-g-h-t films at gmail.com cool well thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us and talk about uh friday the 13th and your own film night of the axe and thank you for letting us screen that for you we had a lot of fun watching it yeah no problem thank you so much for uh promoting me and supporting me i appreciate it oh, it's hard it's hard out there for uh indie people absolutely we appreciate your support too because it's it's definitely hard out there for podcasters you know <laughs> yeah like i said it's, it's the, the community the horror community in itself be it podcasting filmmaking special effects cosplayers i mean <laughs> it, it's an amazing awesome community that we are so happy to be a part of and yeah it's through the conventions and the connections that, you know, we get to meet you and we get to meet other people. So we are always, always happy to, to support and promote and put our friends up on pedestals. So again, thank you for joining us. And guys, don't forget to check us out on the internet. You can find us at jerseybulls.com. You can find us on all the socials. You know what to do. Like it, love it, comment it, talk to us. We'll talk back. And we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's up to you, New York. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 